handle the truth. What we've got here is failure to communicate. I'm building an alliance. God bless the internet. Okay, let's party. It's showtime. It's time for the Alliance Guys podcast with your hosts Kevin Frazier, Jaden, DKM, and Jay Cal. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Alliance Guys podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. My name is Jay Cal, and the gentleman sitting next to me is Mr. D. K.M. Welcome to the show, D.K.M. What's going on, man? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing like always. Nothing. Uh, it's Thursday night. We're here every Thursday at this time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. And we're here to talk N.W.A. Uh, <clears throat> D.K.M., you know what happened five years ago today? Five years ago today? Let me be more specific. Five years and five days from today. Hold on. I have to do the math in my head. <laughs> uh, Billy Corgan took over the NWA. That is correct, sir. <laughs> Uh-oh. I may have cheated. Somebody may have told me. Yeah. You know, uh, five years ago today, I, I remember reading about the rumors that were running rampant. Now I was a little closer to the situation back in those days. And I was in the ear of a lot of the promoters that were still a part of international wrestling corporation as licensees. And I was also in the ear of, you know, some of the people that were involved with getting the NWA uh, to this lightning one era. And I knew that these things were coming. I knew that they were happening, but I was sworn to secrecy. Are you eating candy corn? Mm-hmm. That's your origin story right there, man. You villain. Uh, wow. Uh, I was a perfectly normal person until I started eating candy corn. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, it was, again, five years and five days uh, where they made the announcement. Now, the news had already broke that uh, Billy Corgan had purchased the NWA. And that's when you hear a lot of uh, Billy still goes back to it. Well, what did you buy? What did the NWA mean back then? And there, although there was a lot of value to the NWA in those times, it certainly had been diminished over the course of, uh, you know, the the end of the tenure of uh, that version of the NWA. Uh, but I remember the news broke out at the Cauliflower Alley Club, which I believe at that time was meeting up in the spring. And uh, it was kind of funny, not funny, haha, but funny, like people were pissed. There were promoters who were like, hey, wait, what's going on? We just re-upped our licensing last October. Now you're telling us we're out of the NWA and we got bought out? Are we getting any money for this? And, uh, yeah, so uh, it was pretty wild times, DK. What what do you remember about that? I know that you were kind of you, – you were in the ear of a few of the promoters at the time. You knew some of the things that were going on. Uh, what What do you remember from that time? What I remember, I had heard there were rumors about Billy being interested in the NWA going back to his failed impact. And it was actually a little bit of a joke. 
that he might buy the NWA. And depending on who you talk to, either Bruce reached out to Billy or Billy reached out to Bruce about that being a possibility. And they started talking and talking. Supposedly the deal was close, but they were still trying to work on something. And the story leaked, leaked about uh, Billy wanting to buy it. Now, most people claim it was people on Billy's side of the, of the, Negotiation table. Negotiations. Yes, that's the word. Thank you. Uh, Billy said the negotiations that leaked it because they were trying to force Bruce into actually moving forward. And then, of course, as soon as that came out, other people were interested. And then, so there was supposedly Billy had put so much money up front to be an ex- exclusive negotiator, but other people were coming and some were willing to help Mr. Tharpe, uh, refund that money. Yeah. And, uh, do you, do you have any names? Are you at Liberty to say any of the names? Cause uh, we, we both know one of them is very publicly talked about. We talked about it on this podcast quite a bit, but some of the more lesser known names, do you have any? Uh, I kind of do, but I don't know that I actually want, you know, some of them are not in the business anymore and I don't really know that they, wanted to come out so i mean we know who the top rival was well what the person that was behind a group that was the top rival so i i knew of our friend from the uk who had actually been a guest on the show a couple times the other billy billy wood and uh he had made a reasonable offer i mean uh, if i was bruce tharp i probably would have passed on it as well especially considering that uh he had other buyers out there, but uh, a far cry from what what Bruce wanted to sell to the WWE, what he offered to New Japan, but uh, certainly wasn't nothing. Well, and then there was a group that was backed by, or not backed, but was fronted by uh, Matt Riviera. Is that the yeah. name he used? Yeah. You know, and they were, that was the one that was most well-known that was kind of out there that he was interested. And then there were just some other people that, you know, thought, Oh, well I'll throw a number out there too. I don't know how serious they were ever really taken or considered. Uh, So, but the sticking point was the library. Yeah. The, what do you do with the Houston tapes? Because nobody really knew who owned them. I still don't think we really know who owns them. I mean... Well, the... Of course, uh, Paul Bosch's widow has has since passed away. Yeah. And... uh, uh, I don't know... I don't know uh, who's taking care of the... The son. And... Was it a nephew of Bosch that, you know, was claiming ownership? There was a there was another relative that was claim, claiming ownership. Somebody who had worked with with Paul in the promotion and stuff like that. 
And Bruce had spent spent a lot of money to convert some of them into digital for his uh, subscription service. And I think basically he was looking to get his investment back from that. And uh, different numbers thrown out. I'm not going to get into them here, but uh, apparently that was part of the holdup. And so that was Bruce's leverage. Well, if you're not interested in this, then I'm going to entertain offers from people who are, and we'll refund you your exclusive negotiation money. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pause, pause. The illustrious Sean Mega has joined the chat. Sean, I haven't seen you on in a while, man. Thank you for stopping by on this fabulous Thursday. Appreciate you being here, brother. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. You still owe me $20. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Well, just that. So uh, eventually it came down to, it was really only Billy. It was just Billy needing to meet Bruce's price. And when he did, then it was sold. Basically, they had agreed to keep the licensees be through through the period, which was, I think, up till October 1st, was what the agreements ran. Yeah. Yeah, because that's uh, the annually, the agreement would expire in October. Um, and that's that was the life. I, I even think that was going back to pro wrestling organization. That's when uh, each year the the members would have to renew, or not members, but affiliates, I guess. And well, associate- they, yeah, both. Basically, you had to pay your your fee, your membership fee each year. And real, real quick, uh, NWA Gold, our pal Tim, who does the uh, does the other Alliance guys show with Jeremy and uh, Dave Scooby, says mystery library owner. Well, that is none other than White Lavender Jones. Yeah, that put some of his stuff in there. Um, you know, I make fun of White Lavender Jones a lot, or cry about White Lavender Jones <laughs> a lot. But, you know, let's be honest, he's found a way to keep himself out there more than the average person. So I'm going to say this, okay? Now, you know, you know, Mr. DKM, more than anybody else in this chat, how I feel about Bruce Tharp. Um, I would say this, that this man has certainly found a way to bring, like you said, to stay relevant, but even more so than that, like he's got me kind of wanting to see him back in the wrestling business. And that's strange because I wasn't a huge Bruce Tharp guy. I wasn't. DK knows that more than anybody else. You know, we had him on the podcast. He said a lot of things that, you know, I had these, wide-eyed ambition uh, never really reached those lofty goals he had set for themselves with the exception of he told me on that podcast that uh that that uh they would be working with new japan pro wrestling and that they would have jushin thunder liger challenge for the world's heavyweight championship and both those things happened so yeah bruce was an ideas guy but when he lost his uh Reality-based guys. 
that's that's kind of when you knew the time was coming that it had to be sold. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and around that time, again, too, um, there was a lot of confusion. A lot of licensees didn't know what was going to happen with with their renewal. And like like DKM was saying, uh, William Patrick Corgan allowed uh, he wasn't under any contractual obligation to these folks. He allowed each of the licensees to continue throughout their NWA uh, affiliation, their licensee agreement until the end of the year, which is when it expired. It's not the end of the year. till October 1st, which was when it was set to expire. Anyways, <clears throat> things happened really fast after that, because it wasn't long before that. You've got Tim Storm appearing in championship wrestling from Hollywood. We see an influx of talent coming to Hollywood to challenge for the 10 pounds of gold, specifically Nick Aldis. Uh, we started to see Tim Storm uh, make appearances in the United Wrestling Network while the infrastructure of the NWA was still kind of coming into fruition. In that time, it wouldn't be long before we'd get the uh, inclusion of the all-in pay-per-view, the, the title defense in China. Of course, the first pay-per-view that was promoted by the NWA, the, the 70th anniversary show. And then we, we had the Crockett Cup in 2019. We had Power. We had the New Year's pay-per-view and also in 2019. So the ball really started moving pretty quickly after uh, after Billy uh, finally took over for the NWA. More quickly in hindsight than what it felt at the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, well, because we had our ears so close to the ground, right, and we were waiting for – you know, we were waiting for tidal waves and we were getting ripples. But it turns out that those ripples actually led to some things, some pretty interesting things. But at the time, you know, uh, there was no there was no real infrastructure for the NWA. So they had to use other wrestling promotions, more, most specifically Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and Championship Wrestling from Arizona to kind of get their foot in the ground. And then, of course, they parlayed that into a relationship with Ring of Honor that helped establish some of their storylines leading up to the Crockett Cup. And, of course, all that led up to, you know, the New Year's pay-per-view, working with Tried and True Pro Wrestling, and, and just the growth of the, of the company after that. Now, Sean Mega asked a, a pretty interesting question, and I'll, I'll bring it to your attention, and we'll ask the group, would license, per, license, licensed promotions work in 2023? No. And the reason why I don't think they would work is because they they were never autonomous. They were never in sync. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I will give Bruce and company credit for is having a uniformed uh, referee's uniform. Uh, but outside of that, every show is different. The talent wasn't the same from town to town. It didn't make a lot of sense. And I, I agree with you that I don't think it would work in that what's the benefit for a licensed promotion to just present the NWA without the benefit of being a part of it? Furthermore, how does that, uh, how does that, uh, you know, we kind of see it right now where the NWA is partnering with Wildcat, the NWA partnered with tried and true. And those shows, I mean, sure. They featured some talent that we weren't accustomed to, but by and by it was an NWA show. If you have an affiliate and a, a, a licensee, if you will, running a show, they're you know the only obligation they're under is booking the world's heavyweight champion, right? Outside of that, what else requirements do they have? Right, and it was typically like once a year. 
and they would put the title on guys in Japan, so they'd wave it every year. <laughs> yeah. Um, James Bell said something that was pretty interesting earlier. Excuse me, James Jackson said something that was pretty interesting earlier. He said, what's up, everyone, and only 15 years left in the 20-year plan. I don't – we joke around about that 20-year plan. I think that went out the window when Dave Lagana left. I don't think there's – Billy still talks about it. Yeah, but what 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 semblance of this is EC3 wasn't available five years ago, so how is he part of the plan now? Well, and this is what I talk about, but there never was a 20-year plan. There was a 20-year vision. Uh, we would like to be here, 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 whatever, after so long. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they've made that, maybe they've not, because they don't share their 20-year plan. So... Billy just stands up every now and again and goes, well, we're on track. <laughs> okay. Uh, you, talked about, said, no. you talked about being on TV and you're not. You're, you know, you know I, I, I don't know that, I mean, I don't know that they are, aren't somewhere, you know, involved in the plan. You know, he's talked about doing more shows and more tapings and more pay-per-views and stuff like that. And the the thing there is when you go, well, you know, only 15 years left to the 20-year plan, that is something when you're going, we're 25% through it. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you say it like that, not, oh, well, there's still 15 years left. 15 years sounds like a long time. But when you go, we're 25% through it, you know, that's, a, that's, that's something to think about. And, you know, are they in a better place today than they were when they started? Well, sure, for the most part. Uh, they are putting on regular shows, regular pay-per-views. They do have something streaming on YouTube and something else streaming on on a fight are they profitable i don't know and if they are i don't know how much you know uh, yeah and and we'll never know that by the way they'll never tell us that no but i mean i'm just saying you know i i doubt he's making a million dollars a year let's say you know yeah you know not in net and you know, he talks like there's a big three in wrestling and he's three and uh that ain't true. So there's a there's a big one in wrestling. There's a medium two in wrestling and <laughs> and you know, they're falling apart. And we got a. Uh, we got a whole bunch of last place people. And and he's just one of the group that are in last place. And you know, we gotta think about that realistically. We gotta we gotta talk about that in a real way. And despite the way he talks, are they better? Yes. Are they grandiose? No. Real quick, Dodie points out that we're in 
we're in the five years. Hope it will endure for the next more five years instead of another five-year NWA curse. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's... And again, like I said, Billy and so many, they're not in this thing to be successful wrestling promoters. They want to be wrestling promoters, and they want what they do to be successful. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, there is a difference in the attitude there. And, uh, and uh, I mean, look, I, we joke about things and we make fun of things. But when you look at what's going on in AEW, and I'm not talking about the backstage fights, which I don't care what the pro AEW people talk about. This isn't something that's just developed in the last six months. This is something that's been developing over years. It's just hitting the, you know, they've been around three years and this is hitting at it. And the shit has hit the proverbial fan. Right. You know, all the, all the grumblings have now risen to the top, but they're having other issues. They're not selling like they used to sell. You know, three years ago, they sold 12,000, they sold a, you know, like a 12,000 seat arena in DC. The last time in D.C., they were in a 4,000-seat arena, and they weren't sold out. You know, and this is this is one of the things that Billy's going to have to worry about. The more he runs, the more he does something like that. There are a lot of hardcore fans that because he runs five times a year, it doesn't matter what, they travel to it and, you know, they travel to and see the pay-per-views. Yeah. The more you run, the more you do things, and the longer it goes – you know, the less that happens, you're going to have to start coming to me and come closer to me, you know, and to get people to go out because I'm not going to fly across the country five times a year. Right. And well, I mean, you know, you've, I haven't been to any of the shows you've been to a few, but you don't go to all of them. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, so, so let's, if, if we, I didn't go to any of the shows in 2020, one, like I, not any of the NWA shows, and uh, the first show that I went to was the Crockett Cup 2022 in Nashville, and I will be at the, uh, I'll be at the show in uh, the hard times in the in the show afterwards in in New Orleans, but um, I think uh, yeah, you know, I went to the first. NWA pay-per-view, the, the 70th anniversary show. I went to the first Crockett Cup, and I was there for both nights of the first television tapings. And, uh, you know, that wasn't an operating model that J-Cal could continue to do for the intern, you know, the entirety of the NWA. But um, there are people who do travel to each of the pay-per-views, which, I mean, like, where do you guys get that money at just to travel all the time? But uh, furthermore, it's like, is this brand really worth you going to every show? And I don't mean that in a in a negative way. I'm just like I'm shocked how many how many fans go to so many shows. You know, before Gary Horn was working for the NWA, he was attending those shows, and it's like he was at every single one. It's like wow, that's some commitment there. Um, our pal 
Tim brings up the question, is the general feeling that the NWA is closer to the next real step in the vision or closer to closing up shop? Neither. I don't think that's, yeah, I I, kind of feel like that. I think if you go back, if you go back a year ago, I think they were very close to shutting it all down. Maybe not a year ago, maybe 18 months ago. When they came back from the, the pandemic pause, if you will, I think there was a lot of serious consideration about just shutting down for good. Remember, this is Billy's baby, right? He does he's not he's not beholden to anyone to run shows, to do anything. If he wants, he could he could shove the whole goddamn brand in his closet and we would never see another NWA ever again. Um and what I'm happy to see is that at least he's out there still trying to promote wrestling. Even if it's not exactly my cup of tea, uh, I, I mean, this should this this brand and this product should be right up my alley, and I should be here every week going, "Hell yeah, this is the best show ever." It's not, um, you know. We'll talk about this week's power, which I think was a huge step up from last week. But honestly, after last week's show, anything would have been a huge step up from uh, from the last power surge. So, I mean, we can't really talk like that's a big thing but yeah i felt this episode was pretty good but you know it's not as a program that should be geared for me it's not and a product that should be geared towards you dk it's not and we've talked about it before it's geared towards an audience of one and and like you said earlier he's just hoping that we're gonna like what he's doing he's not exactly booking it to our flavor well, and it is one thing he's not booking it to our flavor. I mean, you know, I'm an old curmudgeon. Maybe you don't want to book it to my flavor. But I don't know that he's booking it to anybody's flavor. I mean, there are people, just like all things, there are AEW fans that won't matter what the AEW does. They'll love it. There are WWE fans who doesn't matter what WWE does. They'll love it. Or, you know, and on and on, there are people out on the NWA sites that, you know, the show can do no wrong. Oh, it's the best thing they watched since they were 20 when I was 20, you know, and everything like that. And it's just like, okay, yeah, it's not old school wrestling. Real quick, I want to just point out Dave Scooby says, I'll go to as many shows as I can but I will be more selective when they expand pay-per-view and tapings to 2023. And Dave Scooby's really a good source to ask that question because Dave Scooby's been to pretty much most of the shows since they've been back running, I think. Dave, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I know I'm pretty sure you've been at all the pay-per-views at the very least, but um, yeah. Uh, you, what but you anyway. say is, is, is right on the money. It's like, uh, it's not dead in the water. There is a following. You can look at the YouTube numbers. There are people watching the show. What those what those numbers translate to actual dollars? I don't know. A, a buddy of mine who runs a, a moderately successful YouTube channel showed me today that he had 1.6 million views in the last month. 1.6 million views, mm-hmm. and that netted him about seventy five hundred dollars, which is great. That's awesome. But that's not consistent for every month. Some months are lighter, some months are better. But could you run a wrestling show 
um, a monthly television tapings for 7500 I mean, I think most of the talent would cost you that, let alone the building and all the ancillary talent, lighting, directing, you know, the equipment, everything else. I don't think that adds up. Yeah, uh, just, I don't know. And, and that's the thing, you know, the NWA niche is just the letters. Yeah. And so, but he he doesn't run old school wrestling. He doesn't run necessarily modern wrestling either. He kind of runs that a weird sports entertainment hybrid. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have a hard time getting into it and it's not logical. I, it's funny. I listened to this one group they're big AEW fans. And even though they've been a little more honest about the AEW product, a lot of times you can tell they're just making excuses for it. And they'll talk about things how, oh, you know, I just love the nuances of of the way AEW does something, you know, the simple thing here, or simple thing there, or something from a year ago that now it's paying off or whatever. It's just like going, going, look, the reason it's paying off now from a year ago is because they just suddenly decided to remember it. This wasn't a year-long plan. No. And, uh, or, you know, whatever. And it's, it just gets to the point of, you know, what I say, I go, keep it simple, stupid. The average person is not going to be looking for all these small, interesting nuances. It is entertainment in the sense I want to be entertained. You know, boxing's entertainment. Yeah. Uh, football's entertainment. You know, there's a reason why when, games are a blowout that stations change which game they follow. You know, if you've ever, if you ever watched your favorite team, you know, blowing out somebody, but you weren't in that area, like, you know, the Green Bay Packers are going to blow out a team and you're not in Green Bay, you're here in Dallas, boy, they'll switch it to some other team. So, that you know, Detroit or something in a closer game. Because that's going to entertain you. Watching the blowout is not entertaining unless you're a fan of the team that's winning. <laughs> Real quick, uh, wrestling with MMA brought up something uh, to your point of, you know, storylines paying out over a year or longer. And he says, I don't watch wrestling for Easter eggs. It's not the MCU. That's an excellent point. Like, I don't, you know, if the storyline is over a year long, I probably already forgot about it. Well, and then it's still got to be booked right. A lot of people will point that one of the biggest failures in AEW was Hangman Page as world champion. And it's because they had a two-year storyline basically in place. But what they did with, you know, Adam Page during, after being like a finalist for the, you know, in the, for the new AEW title where he lost to Chris Jericho. They didn't really build him up over the next two years. 
you know, they hinted that he and Kenny Omega would probably eventually face off for the title and that, you know, he'd be the one to end Kenny's reign, but they didn't build him up. Yeah. He was a drunk. He was hanging out with the Dark Order. He was all these psychological issues and Kenny won the big one and, you know, blah this and blah that. And then it's just like, okay, you know, I don't care. And then it's like they put the world title on him and everybody's like, well, yeah, but we don't see him as a world champion. Uh, real quick, our, our pal, James, James Jackson, says, I've slowed down on the amount of merch I've bought. Uh, I used to buy one of everything Danny deals with hockey. Now I only may get one piece of merch every few months. Now, James, I mean, I know James is a merch guy. He's he's bought pretty much everything in our merch store. By the way, new new shirts are up in the merch store. New hats, if you're interested. Um, but with that being said, you know, as somebody who is loves to buy the merchandise to represent the brand and support the brand, it's kind of scary that, you know, James is a guy who's like, hey, I'm, I'm not really into buying more products. And, and, and James and I talk offline all the time. And I know that James is starting to become a bigger fan of New Japan Strong, what they're doing. And earlier in the comments, we were talking about, you know, where the NWA ranks right now. And James even pointed out, like, New Japan Strong is kind of pulling away more than the NWA is. New Japan Strong is available on Fight. They occasionally put matches up on New, uh, on YouTube. And I know they're part of the New Japan World uh, Network. So if you subscribe to that uh, that system, that streaming system, you can watch those shows uh, right there on that app as well. In a lot of ways, they're, they are in the same boat as the NWA, with the exception that they run regularly and they tour the country. They're all over the place. And, and sometimes they're able to bring in some of the stars from New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, like, you might get an Okada on the card, or you might get, uh, you know, um, gosh, all of a sudden I can't think of anybody. Uh, you can get, uh, you know, some of the bigger name talents from New Japan on, on some of their, you know, U.S. events. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's almost, sorry, New Japan's, part of the last group. Uh, but you, you see where they use talent better. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and, We, I mean, we have examples of that, you know, <laughs> with uh, Kratos, with Jordan Clearwater. We can go on. Yeah, and it's just, that, that's the deal. They, they have... What they do better is they use the talent better and they make things more interesting. I don't watch them that much, honestly, because there's only so much time in the day. And, yeah, you know, when the queen died, I spent an entire week basically watching that. So, you know, more than a week, 12 days. <laughs> and uh, got other things going on in my life like trying to get a house remodeled and I, I just don't have time to watch everything. Yeah. You know, like, like I said, I go, you know, the last three weeks of WWE programming I've recorded and not watched a single minute of it. I listen to the reviews the next day and go, okay, yeah, nothing really interesting happened. And I delete the show. 
And uh, I do the same thing with AEW. It's almost like I don't remember the last time I watched anything in AEW that was of any interest to me. And the so, last time I watched AEW, I was in a hotel room and I got to see uh, Tony Storm team up with uh, with Thunder Rosa. That's how long ago it was. They call him the like the thunderstorm or something like that. Yeah, you know, probably right before she was injured. Yeah, or actually, she was working through the injury. By the way, I don't believe half the crap that comes out in the thing. She was never hiding in the restroom. I don't believe that. You know, she's she's on. Um, we talk about busted open quite a bit on this show. She's on that program on Fridays, and I feel bad for her. Because she's always going to de- try to defend herself from some of the critics that are out there saying these things, and it's like some of it. Some of it might be true. There's some things that they say that could be true, but I don't believe for one second. We've had Thunder Rosa on the show. I don't think she's hiding in the locker room because she accidentally hurt somebody. If there's anybody that would stand up and be accountable for for what they did in the ring, I think it would be her. And it's not like she's it's not like she's some uh, slouch either. I mean, she's trained in MMA. Yeah, and she's uh, oh look, she's a stiff worker. That's part of what we liked about her when she was in the NWA. Emphasis and, on stiff. You know, Gary Hart called it uh, snug. They work snug. That that's that's I think that's the old verbiage. The actual uh, you know carny talk. I think it was snug, not stiff. Yeah, you know they would they worked a snug style. If you ever, if you wrestled the Von Eric boy here, Jim Cornette used to say it was like being in a friendly street fight. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you, you felt it afterwards. One man gang talked about how much he loved Kevin Von Eric. He said, but man, wrestling him, you never knew where he was going to come from. You never knew exactly <laughs> what he was going to do. And Kevin Von Eric, you better work. He was one of those. David was the same way. Kerry was a little more. He was a he was a snug worker, but you know Kevin and David. If you worked light with them, they'd beat the shit out of you. Yeah, you know, and, and not to pull up to more AEW drama, right? But we just heard Andrade say that recently he was in the ring with Sheamus, and Sheamus gave it to him, and he gave it back. Well, not recently, obviously, but when he was in the WWE. And Sheamus beat the crap out of him, and he gave it back to him because that's that's how you build that respect. And then uh, I guess you know the accusations that uh, Sammy complained about how hard he was in the ring. Uh, you know, it's not uh, it's not ballet, brother. It's a it's a work, but it, it, it it's wrestling. Oh, well, exactly. And that you know, Texas was a snug style. New Japan, you know, when they talk about strong style. New Japan isn't even that much anymore. They're about as sports entertainment as it comes anymore. Also, they're just well, better at making their sports entertainment look. You know, unless you've got uh, a healthy Shibata in the ring, or, or, uh, oh God, what's that other guy's name? <clears throat> There's two guys that are just brutal. Every time I Ishi, every time yeah. I watch Ishi in the ring, excuse me, guys. <laughs> Every time I watch Ishii, I just I go nuts because that dude is so intense. And then the uh, I can't think of the other guy's name. I'm sure you know it. I'm not gonna get it. Um, but our our boy Bad Dude Tito, 
you guys who watch uh, Familiar Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, he's been in New Japan lately, both in Japan and in the UK. I'm so proud of him. I'm so happy to see him out there. And he's in the ring with Okada. He's in the ring with, like, stars. And I guess the only reason why I'm bringing it up is because I just love the fact that he's out there. Sorry. Well, you know, look. And the thing is, that that snug style gets over. Yeah. The technical heavy style. I mean, look at Brian... uh, uh, Brian Danielson, mm-hmm. he's not a snug worker, but he's a highly technical worker. And it's so fun to watch. Oh, he's a joy to watch. But it gets over. I mean, people love his matches. Uh, if you want snug, if you want to see a snug type of wrestling, go watch a, uh, well, I guess it's Gunther now. Former <laughs> Walter Gunther. Watches his matches with uh Ilya Dragunov. Watch his match with Sheamus. I have never been a Sheamus fan. Now, I've heard that, you know, Sheamus likes to strike and, you know, he, whatever. And I've seen the marks on his body before. But I've just never been his fan. But when they first announced uh, Gunther versus (laughs) Gunther versus uh, Sheamus, I remember... Well, you know, I messaged you and Jaden. I said, man, talk about a match I never knew I wanted to see until they announced it. Right. And then I watched the match, and it was the blow-away, show-stealing match on the pay-per-view. I think it was like the second one. And maybe it was the first. I don't remember. And, uh, man, they beat the crap out of each other. (laughs) They're, They're... you know, chest or raw meat and, you know, they're glowing like, uh, they're glowing like they stayed out in the sun way too long, you know, but just, you know, those are the hoss fights that we talk about when we say, Hey, let's, you know, we want a hoss fight. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Big mid beating, (laughs) slapping, stomping each other. I heard someone refer to it as a meaty slap fight and that made me laugh. I don't know that I would use that term, but <laughs> um, our pal Jeremy, who was again also part of the other Alliance guys, points out that the Walter Sheamus match was uh, was that five stars? Yeah, five stars. Yeah, I would agree. And they rematch tomorrow on uh, excuse me on SmackDown, so it'll be interesting to it'll be interesting to see if they can do it again. I know we typically talk about uh, the NWA on this show. And I know that we've been kind of all over the place, but um, is Gunther... Well, I think we're doing comparisons here this time. Is Gunther getting his name back? No. They, they're giving people their WWE names back, basically, or their NXT names back, for the most part. But they still, they still don't want a person to have... Uh, Uh, any part of their real or independent name. Got it. Don't ask me why. I don't. I don't get it either. But we just roll with it, you know. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so then, then going back to kind of where we were at. No, I don't think the NWA is dead. I, I honestly think that they're in a pretty good position right now. Do I think they're number two, number three, number four, number five? No. 
I mean, if you're, if we're just talking about wrestling promotions in the United States, I mean, obviously no one's touching the WWE. They're far and away the biggest wrestling company in the world, let alone the United States. You know, you could make the argument AEW is number two, but it's there's there's some there's a chasm between one and two, and then there's a chasm between two and three, which I would say Impact, because they're you know they're they're putting out pay per views, they're doing monthly shows, they're you know they have television. It might not be great television. Well, I'll take that back. It might not be on a great television channel, but they do television. And then, uh, you know, then honestly, like, we can make the case for New Japan Strong. You can make the case for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Um, You know, any one of these promotions that have TV in a bigger market. Uh, However, I don't think it's you can't really compare what they're doing to what the three promotions I already listed. You just can't. Um, You know, you know, we just lost DKM. You know how much I love, uh, I love Dave Marquez. He's he's a he's a friend. It legitimately, I call Dave Marquez a friend. Um, you can't you can't say what Championship Wrestling is is the same as what Impact is. It just isn't. They're two different animals. Now, maybe at some point, like Dave is being aggressive, right? I don't know if you guys know this, but Dave was able to. You know, he, he started doing the promotion in Atlanta with a different talent base. Then they absorbed all three of those promotions into one. So you still had Memphis out in Memphis. And then you had Hollywood, which was a combination of Atlanta and the Arizona talent base. And they're still airing those matches in Arizona. They're still airing those matches in in, uh, in Atlanta and some of the um, markets across the country. It's not airing locally in, in, in California anymore, in Southern California, but it's on channels all throughout the country. And then, of course, they're available on YouTube as well and Fight and all that good stuff. So I, when I look at that stuff, when I see the uh, what Hollywood's doing, I'm not convinced that what they're doing is so much different than or, or, or worse than what the NWA is doing. NWA isn't on a major network. <clears throat> they're on the Internet. You know, tech set people who aren't tech savvy are going to have difficulty finding the NWA. And the NWA, yes, their YouTube channel I think does huge numbers compared to what the uh, Memphis Championship Wrestling, uh, United Wrestling Network, whatever you want to call it, whatever their YouTube channel is called. I think the 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 numbers are different. I think the NWA channel is certainly getting more business than the uh, United Wrestling Network channel. But again, what how does that translate into dollars are they making so much more money you know not being on tv not having a paid tv deal so i'm not trying to diminish what the nwa is doing but i don't know that it's so much bigger or better than what you know championship wrestling's from doing hell memphis is on the local memphis television station they're on the youtube um they do local events they bring in celebrity not celebrities but they bring in stars from the wrestling world like They've had a Rhino on their shows. They've had Mickey James, Nick Aldis on their shows. They've had Jonathan Gresham. They've had Lance Hoyt, Lance Archer. Um, you know, they bring in Teddy Long all the time. So it's it's not, you know, how is that worse than what the NWA is doing? Um, so I guess it's all kind of relative. I don't know if DKM's coming back. I don't know. <clears throat> I guess, okay, he said he'll be back. All right, well, that's good. So anyways, uh, you know, bring this all back to what the point of this conversation was. 
Like we're talking about where the NWA was five years ago. You know, we went from having to lean on the backs of other wrestling promotions like United Wrestling Network or Ring of Honor to showcase the champions, to showcase matches, to now have, being able to produce their own content. Um, you know, I think all of us would agree that it'd be better if that show was on a, a regular TV channel. I think we'd all agree if they could do monthly television tapings. But at the end of the day, they're still in existence, and that, that means that they still have a fighting chance. The pay-per-views, to me, always seem to do well. I enjoy them. That's definitely worth my money that I've invested in them. So I can't complain about that. I, I do wish there were more live events. But like Dave Scooby said, he he's not going to be able to go to every single live event. I'm not going to be able to go to every single live event. And they have to start cultivating an audience, not that travels to each show, but shows up at each show. Does that make sense? Like when they're going to be in Louisiana, they're working with Wildcats. So hopefully a big Wildcat fan base shows up as well as NWA fans. But if they go to Houston, Texas next month, or, or Los Angeles, California, the month after, they need to be able to bring an audience. They need to be able to generate fans. And that's something that even everyone's having difficulty doing. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it'll be interesting to see how things progress in the next six months next year. Obviously, there's a, there, there's a, a vision of what they want to be, whether it be 20 years or not. Uh, but... I guess we just have to wait and see based on their actions, right, DK? Yes. <laughs> uh, honestly, is yeah, you know, we just, you know if they make steady improvements as they go along, I think the think the key thing you said is that they're going to have to develop a way to bring an audience, a local audience in. Yeah, as opposed to a flown-in audience from across the country. Well, you know, in like like MLW, I I don't know if this was by accident or if this is on purpose. Probably on purpose. But they're they're in Texas, and who do they bring on the card? Who's in the main event? The Von Eric Brothers. That's brilliant. Sure. That I mean, and that's gonna bring that's not bringing MLW fans from. Massachusetts to Texas, that's or California to Texas. That's hey, we're in Texas. We're gonna bring a name that's you know a known commodity in the state, and it draws fairly well for them. Um, a couple more things that I want to get to before we get to power is Doty says the NWA should pull more exposure and to that's- that borrowed their name, like the upcoming show at Navarro Farm. Yeah, they did. They, they've done some of those smaller shows and I, I agree. I, I think they should work with those to get uh, um, to get more of that recognition and, and work with the smaller towns to bring a bigger experience to them. And then uh, Doty also says the NWA has more numbers in YouTube than Championship Wrestling or MLW but unlike the NWA they both have TV presence. The NWA has zero TV presence. So and again MLW, they're not on a mainstream channel. I think they're on Fubo, right? They're on a couple of different broadcasting. I've lost track. They used to be on Fubo, and I know they were on a few other broadcasting networks. They get Championship Wrestling from Hollywood has a lot of channels that they're on that are over the market antenna channels um, that aren't 
again, they're not prime real estate, but a, a lot of those viewers, uh, a lot of people are watching those shows because they're free. They're readily available. I mean, I record, I record it. And then um, Chris Drummond, our back, our, our pal, big Chris dog, if you will, said, what does the NWA offer to attract a top tier TV network? I oh, mean, damn thing. no, no, they don't. There's no, there's a top tier. No, nothing. But I'm sure there's other channels that would love to feature the programming. You know, we talk about Chris and I discuss things offline too. And big Chris dog pointed out to me that Bally sports is in trouble. Bally sports is the um, uh, regional sporting network owned by Sinclair broadcasting. They purchased from Fox when Fox was bought out by Disney. I know that's getting a little confusing there, but Bally is in trouble. Uh, there's talks right now that Bally might get purchased by the sporting organizations that show their programming. So like the NBA and the NHL and the MLB. And if that were to happen, look, they still need programming. They still need to fill time slots. And at one point, Impact Wrestling was on Fox Sports. Why wouldn't it make sense for the NWA to approach being on Bally? Just something that I've, I've thought about. James Bell brings up a good point. He says, New Orleans has, the show has sold approximately 200 out of the 380 total floor tickets. Do shows sell more early or as the show date gets close? James, that's a great question. And that just reminds me that I need to buy my tickets sooner than later. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's different for each time. I mean, I remember the 73rd anniversary show was basically sold out before they even announced the main event. Uh, and Empowered was pretty close to being sold out, uh, you know, a couple of weeks out of the main event. I mean, uh, a couple of weeks out of the show being um, uh, uh, coming to, to fruition. So it, it's hard to tell. You know, if you've got that much of a, of a, you know, 200 out of 380 total uh, floor seats, that means they're doing pretty well, I think, because we're still, you know, a little over uh, a month away. Well, again, they're also partnering with the popular local promotion. Yeah, and, and that's a big deal, too. Wildcat is wildly successful, pun definitely intended, in that Louisiana market. You know what Luke Hawk was able to bring in that area, and it's not just in the last year or so. Like it's been around for close to a decade. Wildcat Sports—they were a part of the old NWA under the Bruce Tharp era, and I believe they were even part of the NWA under the Pro Wrestling Organization era. But um, yeah, um, our pal Luthez commented: uh, "Travelers buy early, locals come late." That makes a lot of sense. Um, Dave Scooby said when MLW is in Philly Blue Meanie or Sandman will show up and be involved exactly <clears throat> makes a lot of sense I don't know you know who is really a big name that would draw well in New Orleans who's local but I certainly would be interested you know I mean obviously the Hawks are going to be there that might be part of the draw for the show but yeah I don't know um Chris Drummond brings up that MLW is on BN, which is a worldwide channel. Again, international markets is key. I don't disagree with that either. I think there's a lot of money to be made out on the international market as well. Uh, so we'll just have to kind of wait and see. 
Um, wrestling with MMA says, I looked at the numbers and championship wrestling from Hollywood and Memphis get about 10K views over the course of a month for one show. Be it Hollywood or Memphis, NWA gets about 100 to 130K. So, I mean, that's a pretty significant jump, right? But like I said, um, I don't know if you heard me say it earlier, Jeremy. I, I, I'm very close friends with somebody who does maintain a YouTube channel that last month he had over 9 million, excuse me, 1 million views on his channel. <clears throat> and that was for the month. And they have several videos, but a monthly 9 million, or excuse me, I keep saying 9 million, 1 million views, roughly translated to about $7,500. I don't think the NWA is doing a 1 million views in a month. I could be wrong, but there's no way that they could sustain what they're doing for $7,500 a month. It would have to be much, much more in order to sustain. So I don't know. Well, and again, I never go to the UWN or the Championship Wrestling Hollywood or whatever YouTube channel. I It comes on. Funny, I can't get MLW anymore because DirecTV dropped uh, the BN network several years ago. And, uh, but I can get championship wrestling from Hollywood on some no name channel, uh, there. And so I record, you know, I record it there and, you know, watch the first five minutes to figure out if I want to watch the show or not. And so, yeah, I mean, things that are available other places are not going to get, the same views that you're gonna that you're the NWA is gonna get, and I'll be honest, I, Memphis is basically just a local promotion. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're, I don't know what their affiliation is with the United Wrestling Network, but they're basically a local promotion. They, yeah, they're they're just honestly they're affiliated because Dave Marquez is part owner, you know, and and what Memphis does is pretty much what Memphis does. It's not really connected directly. They have their own titles, they have their own championships. Zicky Dice uh, was concurrently the you know a United Wrestling Network World TV champion as well, or excuse me, Heritage champion, while he was also the uh, Memphis Heritage champion or Memphis Internet champion or something like that. I, I get it confused now. And he held two belts, but it wasn't like they were talking about him being two championship holder in Hollywood. Or, and it wasn't like they were talking about him holding two titles in Memphis. It just, they're, they're, they're connected through Dave Marquez, but don't really share, uh, you know, a storyline or anything like that. And then real quick, uh, Doty said international markets may be the key, but which one my own TV once had the channel, that showed Lucha Underground in Asia back then, but I never got BN, never heard about it. So, you know, and that's a good point too. You know, our pal Doty, I've known Doty for a long time. I don't mean actually know, but Doty's been a part of the R Alliance family for a long, long time. He's in Indonesia. He follows what what the NWA has been doing for years without having television. So, I mean, what does that what does that go to show you? Either he's a diehard fan or or if the fans want it, they'll find it. So, to segue some of this, 
Speaking of people and possibly holding two titles in two different places that will never recognize the other one. I understand that there was something that happened to advance people in the NWA TV title or world TV title or TV right. world title. Or... So on NWA USA, they did have two qualifying matches uh, with five people. Um, and the winner of each of these qualifying in matches, huh? In each, five people in each. Yeah, yeah. A total, a total of ten participants, five in each match, and the winner of each of those elimination match will face each other at a date to be set, and probably will be the pay per view. If I'm just going to put it out on a limb, but they haven't exactly put that out there yet. But we saw um, AJ Kazana, uh, and I got to pull this up to. Because it's kind of hard to believe. AJ Kazana <coughs> outlasted Anthony Mayweather, Jack Stain, Marche Rocket, and Ricky Morton. What's even worse about that is Ricky Morton was the last man in the ring with AJ Kazana, which is a whole other can of worms that we're not going to get into tonight. But AJ Kazana, the guy who, I mean, his win-loss record in the NWA isn't exactly what I would call stellar, but has an opportunity to become TV champion. And on the other side of that qualifying match, the Eliminator match, uh, Jordan Clearwater outlasted Caprice Coleman, Max the Impaler, Rush Freeman, and the Pope, uh, with uh, the last person in the ring being Caprice Coleman and Jordan Clearwater. Uh, both of those matches, uh, you know, say what you will about the NWA, but I was happy that they at least got to a conclusion quickly. They didn't drag it out. Um I felt, I felt like there was a lot of quality talent in in both the matches, and I was kind of shocked how the results ended up. But, I mean, seeing Caprice Coleman in there with the, with the Pope mix it up was a lot of fun. Seeing Caprice Coleman potentially be the guy to beat Jordan Clearwater was very interesting to me. The way they treated uh, Max the Impaler, uh, they treated them just like they were any other wrestler. And uh, I thought that was kind of cool. You know, they, they didn't treat them. They didn't treat Max like she was like they were anything less than a, a, a talent in the ring. So that was kind of cool because Maxine Impaler is a very, is a very uh, intimidating individual. And when that person is in the ring, you know, men or women, that person dwarfs a lot of the talent that's in the NWA. Did I lose you, DK? No. So I, the finals, anyways, I, we're going to get Jordan Clearwater. In general. Jordan Clearwater is going to be um, facing AJ Kazana to see who, who will be the next world television champion. Um. What what did you think about those two uh, those two being the finalists, DK? You know, interesting. Jordan Clearwater, somebody who I always wanted the TV title to go on. Yeah. And so I was kind of happy to see him. I still find this holding titles in other organizations, and especially like their top title in other organizations, weird. <laughs> you're competing for the third rung title and different organization but hey whatever uh 
You just Angry. have to kind of go into it thinking that they don't share the same universe. And it's like, uh, yes, it's still Jordan Clearwater, but the Jordan Clearwater that it's in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood is slightly different than the Jordan Clearwater that's in the NWA. And, yeah, uh, I can do that in DC movies. I can understand that, you know, uh, you know, the Batman and Batman from the DCEU are are different people, but I can't. <laughs> I, I can't do that in wrestling. That's fair. Uh, that being said, I was a little bit surprised with uh, AJ, and not not in a bad way. I just really kind of was expecting because it was the first match. I was kind of either expecting Rocket to go full, you know, to win, or so that would have been very compelling, or, or maybe, or maybe Dane. But I, yeah, I, I know where you're going. So, you know, I'm not upset that he won. Again, he's probably the type of person that should be challenging for the title. I just don't know that I see him as a champion yet. Here's here. Okay, I'm gonna put my tinfoil hat on, right? All right. Okay. And I'm I'm not trying to devalue AJ Kazana as a wrestler. This isn't based on me trying to devalue him as a wrestler. But didn't his daddy basically promote the shows that happened in um, in uh, Kentucky? Was it Kentucky? I don't know if he was the one behind promoting them or not. Honestly. I know I that mean, they he's they, a promoter from that area. I know uh, that on sure at least can. at least one of the power trips, Joe Galley made a point to say, Hey, we want to thank uh, Joe Kazana and family for the you know for helping us get here and, and do this show. And so, like for that reason, I kind of thought maybe this is a thank you title. You know, tinfoil hat on. Hey, we're gonna put the TV title on you, we're gonna help make you more important. Because, well, because you helped us. And, you know, you know, now he, now he vanished on me. Fine, be that way. Uh, I don't have a major issue with that. I don't have a, you know, we're not talking the world titles, so. I think what's important is that we got a couple of guys in here who fit what the TV title is for, who fit uh, the type of action that we want. I mean, I watched the match, especially when it was down to uh, Santa Rocket, and it was pretty good. He, I mean, the guy has talent. So it certainly doesn't bother me. I'm not upset. And I would I would uh, want to see what he could do with the title if he would be the one to win it. And so now I'm hearing doors open. Not on my end. Hmm. What's going on then? Anyway. Uh, our pal Doty says, I like AJ Kazana. Him and Silas screams old school to me. Yeah, not uh, and 
I let me be perfectly clear. When I watch Kazana in the ring, I kind of get Arn Anderson vibes, and I know, I know that's not exactly what he's going for. That's not what his look and whole feel is. But when I see him, I kind of, I kind of feel like that, right? And look, I'm not saying that uh, he's limited to fitting in one box, but I'm saying that, you know, I think putting the title on him could be a great way to say, hey, thanks, Kazana family. Putting the title on him and giving him a, a, a relatively decent run would help boost him as a as a character in in the NWA. And if they take the belt off of him in a month or two, would any of us think twice about it? Like, I don't think Kazana is going to win seven matches as champion and then challenge for the 10 pounds of gold. But it's a great way to say, hey, thanks for everything that you did to get us in Kentucky. And, and you know, we'll keep rewarding your help. And, uh, you know, here's a here's a run with the title have a few matches and we'll put it on Clearwater. We'll put it on the Pope. We'll put it on whoever. Yeah. You know, uh, world-class may often put their TV title on people that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. I'm only held it a week because, you know, it was a, the title was defended every week, but, uh, so, you know, some held it longer than you expect. Yeah. You know, people forget that when they put the title on Chris Adams, Chris Adams was actually a low mid-card guy. <laughs> you know, he and it wasn't until his feud with Jimmy Garvin that Adams was, you know, put in the top tier in world class. And even then, he was more an upper mid-card guy. Both him and Jimmy, they just put the title on upper mid-card guys as the Von Erichs and the Freebirds feuded. Yeah. I, I once said the best thing that ever happened to world class was when they brought in their own world six man tag team title because it gave the Von Erics a world title to chase. And let's be honest, although they held it a few times, they chased it more than they actually held it. And it freed up the other titles, which were normally dominated by a Von Eric, Kevin the American, and uh, David the. David the Texas and Carrie would get partners for the American tag team. Right. Or world tag team or whatever. And, you know, occasionally hold, you know, occasionally hold the Texas or the American, but you know, it freed those titles up. And so that's when we had the Jimmy Garvin, Chris Adams feud and Gino and some of his feuds and everything. It was, you know, it was, it was a good time had by all. <laughs> and, Excuse me. But getting back to the TV title, I, I think now that it's been freed from the grasp of the giant one, that we are in a place that you know, hey, we'll probably we we probably should see some shorter reigns, you know, month month and a half type you know, TV reigns. Yeah. And, and, you know, give that title a chance to live and to breathe and give some of these people an opportunity to shine, you know, while main event, the title should be on USA, honestly. Yeah. I, I was just about to say the same thing. That title, like they originally said, oh, yeah, the national title will be the centerpiece of this. Why? And it never has been. No, it, it, I think they've had two national title matches, once with Adonis and once with Jax. And I felt like that was always just a silly way of doing things. Uh, 
I think putting the TV title on USA and having like, you know, the main event for this week is for the TV title. The main event next week is for the women's tag titles, something like that. And, and cycle through, but have that TV title be a main focus. You know, every other week that title should be defended and it should be defended on USA because I feel like that has more opportunity for people to watch. Well, it's the wider show, which is where you want the TV title. Because the TV title is what's supposed to... The, again, we're assuming there's three tiers of shows here. USA builds power, power builds to the pay-per-view. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to feature your younger guys, your more enhancement type matches, your matches between the low mid-card guys, the jobbers to the stars, whatever you want to call them. And, uh, oh my gosh. And sorry, something popped up on my screen that I wasn't expecting. Uh, tell those ladies to quit sending you topless photos during the podcast. Well, then I'd be happy. <laughs> but anyway, back to the point. The point I was trying to make is. Who knows what the point is trying to make? I took painkillers. I'm not in my right mind tonight. Well, uh, we can move on if you well, want. Well, just that the TV, you know, the, the TV title should be the top. It, it's the third tier title in the singles. So I'm kind of like you. You put the TV title on every other week or every third week or whatever. Then if you had women's tag teams, you would defend the, you know, one week would be the women's tag team title. One week might be the junior heavyweight title. Maybe one week would be the national title. Well, no, not, you, you don't need the national title because you got the U.S. tag team titles there. Yep. So you put like the U.S. tag team titles, the TV titles and the women's tag team titles, and the junior heavyweight title would be the title that kind of floats back and forth between Power and USA. And not that the other champions aren't there. They should show up and do the occasional interview. Yeah. And get noticed and say, hey, this week, of course, this would require them to actually, you know, make sense when they're filming these things. And that's, you know. well, when we get into power, we'll talk about that because there's a lot of still just things that aren't being filmed in sequence and it, it ruins the show. And so, uh, anyhow, yeah, that, that would be the way you would do it. So, so Jay, my before we get to, before we get to that, real quick, Chris Drummond brings up something, and I need to step away from the camera for a minute. So I'm going to just put it up here real quick, and then you read it, and I'll be back in just a second. Okay, let's see. Chris Drummond asks, "Can I ask a question?" No, you may not. We all love the Pope here. But has his window of being the top guy from the NWA passed? Maybe. He's been reduced to pre-show matches and putting putting young guys over. Maybe. Here's the thing that we all have to remember. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes. And we don't know what a person really wants or something like that. Whereas I would love to see Pope get a run with the world title. Pope may be in a place in his own career and his own time and his own thing where he doesn't necessarily want to carry that thing. Well, a lot of people 
forget that Barry Windham never really wanted to be world champion. And uh, there are rumors he was offered a run with the title in 87, in a real run, not a Garvin-type run, but an actual real run with the title in 87. And he didn't want the pressure. Kind of liked where he was in, in the thing and wanted to stay there. Uh, they said the same thing with Eddie Guerrero and WWE. They go, he, he was offered a chance to win the the WWE or the world title back. And he's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of pressure with being the top person. And because of some of his issues, he just didn't want that pressure. And so Pope may have reached a point in his career where he's not as interested in being uh, a top guy. And, you know, he just wants to be used, you know, to help develop the younger people or work with them or whatever. I don't know. I mean, maybe he does want to be the, the world champion. Maybe, maybe he would love to, you know, be the top guy and I'd be all for that if that's the case. I'm just saying we don't always know what's happening behind the scenes and what's going on. Uh, years ago when Santana Garrett won the NWA Women's Champion chip, oh, people loved her and she defended her title all the time and everywhere and she was so active and things like that. Well, of course, all her almost none of her title defenses were in NWA promotions there were basically other matches she had booked where the basic agreement was, hey, as long as you're winning, yeah, you can call an NWA world title defense. And then people wondered why they took the title off of her after, I think it was like six months or something like that. Well, what they don't know is that typically champions signed agreements that they would work for X cost for NWA promoters. Well, Garrett hadn't been meant to hold the title for a long time. She was supposed to be an interim champion in between two reigns of Barbie Hayden. And Hayden missed her flight for the match or thought it was on a on a different night. Didn't make it out there. They didn't take the title. They didn't take the title off her. Hayden was kind of busy doing other stuff as well. So they never went back to her. So they basically just left it on Santana. Garrett. But she was priced out of the range of most of the NWA promoters, so they couldn't bring her in. So they waited, and then they brought her until they could find someone to put the title on. And Jay, I'm running out of things to talk about here. <laughs> so, anyway. That, that was the story with uh, Santana Garrett and that might be relevant to uh, what's going on with the Pope. I don't really know. And so let's see, what else do we have? Dave Scooby have matches to build up contenders for the, all the titles, which lead to pay-per-view matches. Dave, that makes sense. And you just know they're not going to do that. They've, they've had plenty of opportunities to make sense in the past, and they haven't done it. All right. Uh, talking about the NWA USA with the TV women's and tag women's tag yeah, tag yeah it's us what we're talking about uh, 
Jody, I like AJ Kasana, him and Sauce Cream's old school to me. We talked about earlier. Yes, they do. And uh, and they're big guys. But actually, Kasana reminds me more of like a 1981 Mid-South wrestler. You know, not not a specific wrestler, but like one that would fit in well into that, that scheme. So... All right, do you guys have other things there in your chats that you want to talk about before Jay comes back? Or do you want to talk about Jay before he comes back? Because, you know, I'm all about talking about Jay behind his back. Where's Jay when I need him? And... Jack. Hey, All right, about time. Sorry, I was dosing my type one. Uh, yeah, not J. Cal after dark. J. Cal was dosing daughter for her dinner. Um, I was running out of things to talk about because I didn't know what else there was to talk about before. What? I said 56. <clears throat> Anyways, all right. I'm not 56, I'm only 54. <laughs> when? Never mind. Um, <laughs> All right, so let's get to it then. Let's talk about power. No. Oh. You know, this wasn't a bad episode of power. Like I said, um, you know, they could have just thrown out one decent match this week and it would have been better than what we got last week. However, I felt like we got a couple of good matches and I felt like we had some pretty good style clashes. And outside of a few uh, taping issues with sequences from stuff that have already happened, the wrestling itself was pretty good. Promos were okay. Um, in okay, fact, even the entertain them for a minute. I have a dog going crazy. Yeah, that's fine. I'm gonna just keep talking about the show. Uh, pull you off the camera here for a second. Sorry about the uh, inconsistency today, guys. We just have a lot going on. Um, but yeah, so we had, uh, like I said, this week's power was much much better than last week's. Of course, last week, you know, was so much just chicanery and they're trying, you know, I get that they're trying to be cute with it. Uh, I get that they're trying to have a lot of uh, fun with these power surge and like, look, I love Ella Envy and I love uh, 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 Kenzie page. I think they're a great dynamic, but it just didn't, it didn't work. It didn't make sense for me. Yes. uh, Luthes, this is the, uh, this is the inaugural tag team podcast. Uh, with the hot, we'll change the name to the hot tag. I was, uh, I don't know. Did you guys ever watch that? Will Martin and I used to do a, a podcast on uh, Instagram live. We would do a, a quick little 15 minute podcast. Anyone watch that one? It's all right. You weren't the only one. Um, anyways. So uh, yeah. So this week I felt was a lot better. Um, presentation was better, but like I said, there's a few key hiccups in the, in the way that they presented the show um but we did have some good matches and of course the, sh- the show started off with flip gordon and odinson now we know that this match uh you know kind of happened because of uh of the events that the fallout from the uh, 74th anniversary show <coughs> excuse me guys <coughs> a little under the weather still um but basically uh I'll just kind of read what I wrote. You know, power kicks off with Flip Gordon and Odinson in the ring. 
They call this a catchweight match, which, I mean, yes, that's a fair expression, catchweight. I don't know that they need to do that. I don't know that they need to say things like catchweight match. We can tell, obviously, there's a size difference between Flip Gordon, who, let's be honest, is a junior heavyweight through and through, and Odinson, who at this point is probably closer to being a heavyweight. Um, Now, we got to remember Flip Gordon, this is his fifth match while wrestling for the NWA. He debuted back at the Crockett Cup in 2019, teaming up with Bandito, of all people, uh, as part of Team Ring of Honor. And they defeated Guerrero, Maya Jr., and Stuka Jr., who I guess they were supposed to be representing AAA. I don't think they really actually wrestled for AAA. Uh, And uh, they defeated them, but then went on to lose to Royce Isaacs and Tom Latimer, who would make it to the finals only to lose to, um, of course, the... uh, 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 Villains Incorporated, uh, Brody King and PCO. Uh, now this match. Uh, oh, uh, my note says the NWA has must have thought highly of Flip for quite some time. He's had two World Heavyweight Championship matches. One of them in Ring of Honor, of course. One of them at the uh, Hard Times, I believe. Two. No, Hard Times one. Excuse me. Um, which was kind of a precursor to. Uh, Marty Skrull coming into the NWA. Of course, that never materialized the way that the NWA wanted to, and that's probably for the best. Um, But, yeah, it kind of feels like um, maybe that the NWA is looking at building towards an Odinson and Odinson and Nick Aldis feud as uh, he's been very um, key being Nick Aldis has been very positive about uh, Odinson and interviews in the past. In fact, he he said he's one of the guys he wanted to work with, and uh, we'll get more into that in a minute. But the match is pretty evenly contested. Neither man looks weak in this match, which I like. That's what it should be. These are two top-tier talents in the ring. Um, you know, Odinson is a quick – he's a quick talent, but, you know, Gordon's quicker. And Gordon, you know, he's a built guy, but Odinson is bigger. And that's kind of like the story of the match where you would see uh, Flip Gordon do a lot of uh, high-risk maneuvers, a lot of fast-paced wrestling, and you'd see Odinson just kind of bully him in the ring, whether it be, you know, a suplex here or a, you know, one of his uh, European uppercuts there. Um, I, like I said, I thought both of these guys looked really good in the match. Odinson had to kind of do some trickery to uh, to get the victory, but it was a clean pin for Odinson, and I thought it was a really good showcase for him. Uh, DK, what did you think about this matchup? All right, before I get to the matchup, two things. Two things. Yeah. First, I felt like I was in the movie Up as the dog saw a squirrel. <laughs> and two, I feel like I should be in old Saturday Night Live uh, weekend news with uh, Dan Aykroyd and what was her name? Jane. Rita Redner? No, Jane. Yeah. Anyway, because what I have to say right now is, Jay, you ignorant slut. Oh, my. The team was Duke Jr. and uh, the other one whose name escaped me now that I'm trying to tell you something, were, of course, from CMLL. Guerrero. Guerrero Maya Jr. Yeah. Yes. They were from uh they were from uh, CMLL, not AAA, they're top rival. 
And more importantly, Stuka Jr. was actually the NWA uh, historic world white heavyweight champion at the time. Oh. A title whose history dated back to was one time under the control of the NWA board. And uh, about that, Matt Taven would go on later to hold, right? No, he held the Walter White title. Oh, okay. My mistake. Well, but you're still in the you're in the right place so far. So right. now that now that we have uh, educated Insulted. you, and you are no longer an ignorant slut. <laughs> I'm just a I'm just an educated slut now. Now you're an educated slut. <laughs> we have Otison versus Flip Gordon, which <laughs> the match still EMLL to me. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, was a good match. Fun. It was a fun match. Fun. Yeah, I'll grant you fun. It was, it was good. It was nice. I mean, it's what I would want for an opener on a show like this. Fair. Uh, you know, it was, don't have any real complaints about it. it. It entertained me. Uh, Glad to see uh, Otison win, although I kind of felt bad for Gordon as he doesn't have a stellar win-loss record here in the end of <laughs> No, he doesn't. But with that being said, um, you know, with Flip Gordon, this – the NWA hadn't been his primary, and I don't even know if now it's his primary. And as a member, you know, as someone who's wrestled for the NWA, I'll pull it up right now. Um, he has a victory over Doug Williams. He has three defeats from uh, Nick Aldis and Odinson. Nick Aldis has defeated him twice. Uh, once at the first hard times, the second at the 74th, and then Odinson got him. So he's basically three and one in singles matches in the NWA. And then, of course, in the Crockett Cup, he won as a tag team and lost as a tag team. So it's you're right. It's not a great win-loss record, but Having a victory over Doug Williams, I think, is quite a feather in the cap. And uh, it's not like he's looked bad in any of these. I think he could still go on and do um, pretty big things for the NWA down the road. Most likely. If they would uh, rejuvenate him, so to speak, and uh, build him up a little bit, he would certainly be in... TV title talk, maybe even national title talk if he were an NWA committed wrestler. Well, do you think that um, he would make sense as a junior heavyweight, as a junior heavyweight champion? I wouldn't have a problem with him as a junior heavyweight champion. I mean, he's obviously a junior heavyweight. And, uh, I don't know. My problem is right now, I don't really want the title taken off Homicide. Yeah, I agree with that. And the next person who I want the title actually go on is Rectitus. <laughs> so, Agreed. <laughs> so, I'm on board with that. But I could very easily see a Rectitus, uh, a Rectitus Flip Gordon. That'd be great. Series to happen. That, that That'd be That'd be tremendous. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Now that I've said it, it's kind of like, 
you know, don't say it too loud because Billy Hurst is talking about it. He won't do it. <laughs> so then, then anyways, getting back to the match itself, enjoyable match. Uh, did you have any beef with it? No. I, I, I don't. I can't say that there was anything about it that made me just – I would still say Odison probably needs a wider – move set yeah but i mean for what it was for where it was for the fact that it was playing into the you know post-match angle and stuff like that no i mean it was it was good so i was entertained. i'm sorry go ahead no i was just saying it was good i was entertained and then of course uh this led to odinson after the victory Wanted to add some insult to injury. He grabs the chain. He's getting ready to put the the hurt on uh, on uh, Flip Gordon. And then out comes Nick Aldis, fired up. And it's one of the few times I was happy to see Nick Aldis. You know, we kept saying, go away. Go away so I can miss you. Go away so that I can enjoy you when you come back. And that's kind of how I feel. Like I know he didn't go away. But they're working this. He was injured, had a concussion, didn't pass concussion protocols. So he's been on the sideline. But he comes back, he makes the rescue, and then he cuts a fire promo. And it was one of the better promos we've heard from Nick Aldis in a while. He After rescuing Flip Gordon, um, he, he he's just – here's the thing. Nick Aldis is stale at the top of the, of the card. He's stale as the main event. But in a position he hasn't really been in with his company is on the mid card, and I'm not calling him a mid card wrestler. No, I'm not saying that at all. But this is a a feud that they're building towards that has no impact on any of the titles, and it's got you know he's lower on the card, and it's building a storyline that's not based on championships. It's not based on Nick Aldis being the number one guy. It's based on Nick Aldis has it out for somebody because he thinks that somebody has it out for him. So in that sense, I, I felt like it was refreshing. Uh, Aldis had mentioned that before the 73rd anniversary show that he saw something special in Odinson. And I, I saw this uh, on a, uh, a pre-taped interview on YouTube where he talked to somebody and, and that guy said, well, who in the NWA would you like to work with? And he said even back a year ago that Odinson was one of those guys that he wouldn't mind working with. And I think it's kind of special that he's getting to work with him now. Um, I think he's choosing to work with Odinson to help build up the younger and make him a more viable wrestler on the roster. Obviously, if you can get a rub off of Nick Aldis, you should. And Odinson would, might be that guy to do it because that might elevate him into that next level. Aldis mentions that he tell that uh, Odinson has all the tools to be a success, but then then accuses him of being of doing the legwork for Billy, which I didn't care for that. I, I'm kind of wanting that angle to just die as it is. But uh, nonetheless, I thought it was a solid promo. He put over how bad of a dude Odinson is, but also reminded everyone that Aldis is also a winner. What did you think about that promo? Uh, yeah, you know, I've enjoyed Aldis's promos in general, except for when he just talked forever and ever and ever. Amen. And uh, this was a good one. It's a reminder of why I liked him, <laughs> you know, back, you know, back early in his reigns and st- stuff like that. 
uh, like you, I didn't. I want the Billy Aldis feud to just go away. Let's pretend it didn't happen. I don't want any type of uh, furthering of that storyline. I don't know. I don't want. I don't want it to have a resolution. I just want it gone. Uh, kind of like CM Punk and the Elite. I just want it gone. <laughs> Real quick, I'm going to pause in the show because I want to show off some of the new merchandise that's available on our shop zone. The link is in the bio. I, I hope you guys are seeing this. I don't know if it came up or not. Um, I'm seeing that girl. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. So, in the bottom half. Of, oh, there she is. All right. So we have a new Alliance Wrestling shirt in different colors. We've got yellow, pink, green, orange, and blue. So if you like the Alliance but would like to represent a different color, we got that for you. If you're interested in a bathing suit for your honey because you just can't get enough of the Alliance Wrestling, we have one of those available for you now, too. It comes in all sizes from extra small all the way to triple X. So, I mean, if you were so inclined to buy your sweetie a bathing suit or, you know, maybe you want to wear one. Uh, I'm not here to judge. We also have the We Are the Alliance shirt. And this is several different languages of basically saying the Alliance, which I thought was kind of cool. And I designed it myself. So if you like it, tell me how cool it is. Um, Also, we have a new cap. And I just ordered one of these for myself in the black and red style. I think it's actually very attractive. And we put the logo on the side corner because, well, that's what the cool kids are doing these days. <laughs> and uh, we also we have... We accuse you of being a cool kid. We have the old uh, sleeve shirt that's been around for a while. You can get it in several different colors. I prefer the Hunter Gray and the Hunter... And the Heather... Excuse me. <clears throat> the Heather Gray and the Heather Red. Um... Because yeah, we're not like, seeing. I'm not seeing anything, but just the information. Yeah, it didn't come up for whatever reason. I think you know what? Uh, huh. I just got suspended on uh, on TikTok Live for being a bully and harassing. I don't know how the hell I could have bullied and harassed somebody. Uh, maybe it was me. Yeah, maybe. Although I don't know who I bullied and harassed. There was nobody even watching it, too. <laughs> uh, well, I, I hope we've learned something very important about TikTok now. Yeah. Okay, anyways, more products. The, the, the coffee mug, that's a good one. You should all have that one. And then, of course, uh, the original T-shirt. Uh, and then, of course, the 2020 style. We have this one. It'd be nice if these graphics came up, but they don't. Um, then we have the, the sweatshirt. Of course, the original ball cap that I wear right now. And then the new one is the beanie, which I think is really cool. That also says alliance-wrestling.com. Anyways, I just want to uh, share that with you guys in case any of you uh, were interested in, in buying some new merch. And if any of you buy your girl the swimsuit, I want to know what her reaction is when you give it to her. <laughs> Uh, I bought one for my wife. Well, your wife doesn't count. No offense to Michelle, but uh, 
she's married to you, so she's either going to hate it or love it just because it's related to you. Oh, she's going to love it. So, you know, you know, somebody like Tim out there who recently married, uh, he, he needs to buy his wife a wedding gift of uh, an alliance swimsuit. And then I want her reaction to it. Dave Scooby uh, wants to see you in the bikini. I'm too fat. <laughs> Although, I'll probably do my boobs well. So. Oh, God. All right, we're done talking about that. Uh, going back to the Odinson talk, uh, wrestling with the Why? MMA, Jeremy says, Odinson is a diamond in the rough and could definitely benefit from an Aldous rub. Which I agree. I think, uh, I, I think that's a great feud for Aldous. I think it's a great feud for Odinson. Uh, imagine imagine the kind of rub that Odinson will get if he goes over all this in this feud. I mean, that puts him right in line for a national championship or a TV championship, wouldn't it? I would think so. Question. Yeah. We live in an era that doesn't do a ton of rematches. And so... If it, if this is just basically one a one or two off thing, does Odinson need to be the one to win to actually have a rub? Or if Aldis wins, just that he was in the ring with him, the, the, the Triple H mentality, uh, just being in the ring with him gives him a rub. Doesn't um, matter if they lose flat on their back staring up the lights. I, I think at this point, I don't think losing to I don't think losing to Nick Aldis hurts anybody at this point, but I don't know that it helps anybody either. If you beat Nick Aldis, that's a statement. If you lose to Nick Aldis, well then you're like everyone else. So I don't I, I don't think a victory I, I don't think a, just being in the ring with Aldis is gonna give somebody a rub unless it's a great match where it could have gone either way then, then maybe. But for the most part, I don't think that's uh, something that's going to make you a better. It might make you a better wrestler because I think steel sharp and steel, that's still true to this point. But I don't think it elevates you if you go out there. and Like when he wrestled Tom Latimer, right, and, and he had that stretcher match and and uh, or I quit match, whatever it was, and, and it didn't do anything to elevate Tom. If anything, it made it worse. Yeah, that was weird looking. Um, all right, so let's go to the next segment. And we get a pretty cool promo with Genocide talking to Mae Valentine. She speaks about her preparation, her Muay Thai, her Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, her striking power, her expertise in MMA, if you will. Um, and she says she wants to be in the title picture. And, you know, what, what can I say? I agree. I think she should be in the title picture. I thought this was a pretty good promo from her. And basically saying, look, she'll get, she'll take Camille any way she can get her, but she wants to prove that she's in the title picture. DK, what did you think about this one? Yeah, it was a good promo. It wasn't blow away, but it was good. No, no, no. And, and I, I've said this before, and I, Lady Frost was included in this. Genocide to me is that same type of talent. I think they're very, very polished. Uh, maybe the promos could use a little bit of work, but for the most part, I feel like Genocide does exactly what you would ask Genocide to do. She goes, she can go put on a good match. Her promos aren't fire. She's not the rock on the mic, but she doesn't have to be either. She just has to be Genocide. 
and this promo was good enough. It, it made me more excited to see the match. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we get Joe Galley, his sit down with Trevor Murdoch. Now, again, this is where the taping inconsistency really kind of hurts the NWA because they've already announced that it's going to be a triple threat match. But now you've got Trevor Murdoch saying, well, I don't know if it's going to be Matt Cardona. I don't know if it's going to be Tyrus. And I don't care who it's going to be. I'll take on everybody, which is, I mean, that's a great mentality for him to have. But I think this promo is hurt by the fact that we already know that it's a triple threat match. Do you agree? Yeah, it's just, I I don't know if this was a mixed up taping thing or just a mixed up promo. Yeah. But it did not, it doesn't come across well when they do this. No, it looks terrible. It, it looks bad. It's a bad look for the NWA. So, anyways, um, so next up, we have uh, EC3 versus Trax. <coughs> Excuse me. So I tried to do a deep dive on Trax, and I'll be honest, there wasn't a lot about him out there. Uh, we know that Trax has wrestled most of his recent matches with WrestlePro, including a trip to Alaska, as well as wrestling on the East Coast. But I don't know exactly when he started wrestling. I don't know where he got his training. You know, I don't know where he was before this. So, and it's not a lot of information out there. So it's kind of hard to figure it out. He had a pretty decent look, a pretty decent build. Uh, You put him in the ring with EC3 and he doesn't, he kind of diminishes a little bit. EC3 is a guy who's definitely a body guy. He's built like a a freight train. So um, it just, you know, he had a good look. And I'd like to see more of what he's capable of. Uh, But this match was just really here to kind of showcase EC3. Um, EC3 is on a a mission. His his path is to tarnish the legacy of what he's calling it, the Nostalgic Wrestling Alliance. And, uh, you know, he's, he's not there to make friends, that's for sure. He comes out there, and, and Trax gets a little bit of offense in, but this is mostly a squash match. EC3 gets out there, and, uh, you know, he, he takes him to the whipping shed, if you will. Uh, what the most surprising part is the fans just aren't even into this match at all. And, in fact, that's a kind of a byproduct of most of the show. And, again, I don't know when they take these matches, but the crowd just seems so, like, not into it. And I, I feel like that that's disappointing because um, – you know, seeing a new face in the crowd, uh, seeing a new, you know, uh, EC3, who's like a superstar in your venue, you would think there'd be some sort of reaction one way or the other. Um, Tracks had, a, like I said, a minor offense, but it was usually met by EC3 overpowering him with violence. Uh, Tracks never really got any good momentum in this match and taps out to the purpose of the Cobra Clutch. DK, what did you think of this one? I was kind of with the fans, honestly. I wasn't into it. Okay. And I'm not into EC3 at the moment. And I'm going to tell you part of the reason why. Let's hear it. This is the Matt Cardona angle. Just different. Yeah, I see that. Matt Cardona came in. 
I'm going to save the NWA. The NWA needs me. I, you know, I'm its savior. I'm blah, blah, this. Oh, nostalgia crossing, you know. <laughs> Okay, Billy, we get it. You're bringing in people who are stars who don't respect the NWA, and then you want to put them on top. That's a good point. Something I didn't really think about, but go ahead. Continue. Well, I, again, not, I've never been into the control your narrative BS. So I don't need it as part of an angle. I don't need to see EC, EC3 doesn't need to go out and have a squash match. Yeah. I mean, you're better off, you're, you're better off not, him not being in the ring at all than just going to squash somebody. And, you know. I would have, I would have, excuse me. <coughs> I would have rather seen him have a match with somebody like Matt Taven. Or a match with somebody like um, Mike Bennett, and I know it's like, well, they're they're in the main event, but you could have had a match with somebody who has a little bit of purpose, who's coming from a background with a little bit more skill set than than a you know th- this guy never even appeared on TV before, and I know that the NWA has a very uh, diminished face to heel baby you know baby face. Uh, earlier, you guys were talking about the Pope. Or maybe Caprice Coleman. And either one of those guys, I think, would have been a much better offering for EC3 and had a competitive match where he didn't come out there and stomp somebody, but he had to fight hard to win and maybe unleash his demons to win. Um, and I think that would have been better storytelling. Yeah, I was actually thinking the Pope uh, while going through this. I, I don't know. I mean, a, I know you guys complain a lot of times when a tag team guy wrestles in a single match, but I would have been fine with the tag team guy here, you know? Yeah. Maybe. And just, I don't like the character that EC3 has become. I don't like that he's basically repeating the Cardona storyline. And it would have, you know, he has this little, Weird discipleship thing. This yeah. Raven, Raven flock, as I think somebody called it in the past. That's funny. Yeah. And it's like, if you're going to do that, would have been better off putting one of his flock in there with, you know, X dude. and Or, or, hear me out. Why not put Latimer in a match with one of the, with one of the flock members? Well, because that would make sense. And I try not to have too much of it making sense. <laughs> well, what you do is you put you put a disciple in with enhancement talent and get them to slaughter the enhancement talent. Then you put them in the ring with uh, Latimer so that it can be semi-competitive. It should be real competitive. Yeah. It should be semi-competitive. And then you can... And then you can put Latimer over the flop dude. 
as part of the storyline, but it's it's like I'm glad Latimer's in the storyline. I just don't like that it's this storyline. Yeah, I I get that. I think uh by the way, James Bell says EC three would kill Ro- Ro- Ronaldo. Ronaldo. No, Ronaldo. <laughs> um I, I agree with you. I think that this is um I kind of like the fact that we're getting EC3 against Tom Latimer. I wish they would have told this story a little bit better. They could have done everything the same uh, post-match promo. Um, But like, like you said, uh, you know, had, had having had one of the cult members come out and fight Latimer after having a victory of his own would be a lot more satisfying. I think than having tracks get destroyed, Uh, not destroyed, but, beat pretty resoundly in this matchup. So right. we'll go to the next part and that's the uh, promo EC three literally backs up to the uh, podium with Kyle Davis and Kyle, uh, God bless him. He calls out EC three for trying to go Latimer into a match uh, notes that they're, they're just words. He hasn't really said anything, but let's be honest. I mean, he attacked him at the pay-per-view. He had this goon squad on him. So, Anyways, Latimer challenges EC3 to a fight. EC3 says that Tom is not controlled by drugs or alcohol, but rather love. EC3 agrees to fight Tom Latimer, but not here. This is the money promo. This is what sells the tickets. We'll see EC3 versus Tom Latimer at hard times three. What did you think of the promo? Yeah, I mean, this is how you build to a match at a pay-per-view. Yeah. Like you said. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do it here. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I got a new Galaxy Bright in hand with my SIM card in it and got a case for it. I'm actually talking right now. Oh, no, it's in one. All right, sorry about that. We heard everything you said. We're telling the FBI. Good. (laughs) I don't know what you're telling them, but good. Uh... Look, yeah, I mean, this is how you sell a pay-per-view match. You know, again, yay that they gave us the women's match early on, but they haven't done a lot to, you know, do it. They did at least some on this show. Yeah. Which, you know, you'll get to. So, you know, this is where you go. It, It was a good promo. The right things were said, and it was the right way to say, yeah, you... You want to see me, then you know you're gonna pay. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's that's. It, it's funny because he was, you know, he was parroting um, like the promos of the past because this has all been done before. But I mean, it's exactly what the kind of promo we needed at this moment. So uh, it worked. Um, next up, we get Genocide versus Camille in a non-title match. Uh, I really like the way Genocide came in to look in this in the match, looking in the ring. She's not there looking intimidated at all. And, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of Camille and Genocide in the ring. Um, but this is the match I've been begging for since Camille's been champion. Uh, they look so evenly matched. The look on Camille's face isn't, like, super overly confident. In fact, she kind of looks a little concerned, which, I mean, that's it's great storytelling when just the look on the champ's face can set the whole tone. Genocide is quick to work the left arm of Camille. She takes her down, starts really working on that arm. 
and but Genocide is only able to get a one count when she pins the champ. Uh, the champion uh, uh, basically dodges a, a kick by Genocide, that kick in the corner that she, we see so often. And, you know, she misses it more than she connects with it anyways. And then the champ goes on the offense. Um, but even still, even after punishing Genocide, it still only manages to get a one count. And that seems to be very important to the storytelling here because it kind of makes them feel like they're more evenly matched than maybe the, the casual fan would know. Camille looks frustrated. She can't seem to get the best of genocide. Punishes, 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 one count. Punishes, 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 one count. And I think that speaks volumes to what they're trying to do here to show you just how tough genocide is. Um, we get some more offense. Genocide is able to get control of the match. She gets a two count on Camille um, after a belly-to-belly suplex, which was actually a pretty ugly belly-to-belly suplex. But uh, nevertheless... Um, then Camille is finally able to get a two count when she connects with that spinning wheel kick. And then the two exchange blows, but neither can get more than a two count throughout the match um, until uh, Genocide spends way too much time waiting for uh, going to the top rope. She misses and then gets to eat a uh, spear from Camille, which gets the one, two, three. Um, good match. Good, good result. Genocide looked strong, and at the end, Camille looked weak. She looked a little hurt, which I think is good storytelling. What did you think about this match, DK? I have mixed emotions on this match. In isolation, this match was really good. And did did the things it needed to do. My problem is when Camille first won the title, she faced Genocide... And one, and we said back then, would you like to see a rematch? And it was kind of like, yeah, but they need to build, you know, genocide back up. Yeah. And it's like, I would argue they didn't do a lot to build her back up, but at least enough time has passed. Yeah. That they put her in. You know, remember, she kicked out of her uh, first spear or something like that. That's true. In that match. But then they put them in the ring together again. It's not for the title, and Genocide still loses clean. And it's kind of like, well, do I want them to run this match back again sometime? Well, not really anytime soon. I mean, again, she's been in the ring with her twice. She's lost clean to her twice. Yeah. And so... I feel like they've now taken genocide out of a top contender position. Yeah, I, I can see that. And so I, I was not happy about that. So this is, this is one of those things for immediate storyline and immediate uh, gratification. It was a good for long-term storyline and gratification. Didn't do what I wanted. You know, I, it, 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 I feel like it hurt genocide more than, help Camille. They do seem to be setting something up here with Camille. And I, and when are they supposed to, have they already wrestled in Mexico? No, in fact, they do that on the 15th in Mexico. Okay. So yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out is are they setting up something for a title change in Mexico? Well, you know, again, I'm going to put my tinfoil hat back on 
and be the conspiracy victim here. And I'm going to say this. That, that, what's that? Conspiracy victim. Uh, theorist, I'm sorry. Chris Jericho flashbacks. Conspiracy <laughs> theorist. And I'm going to say this, that I think the plan, because look look at who's Camille has wrestled her last three matches against. Um, Ty Valkyrie, Maxine Paler, Genocide. And before that, Kylan King. And each one of those women brought a different a different level to Camille. Camille keeps rising to the challenge, and she's beaten everybody at this point. But she's hurt. You look at her in the ring. Each time she leaves a match, you know, it. wrestling Kylan King at uh, Always Ready took something out of her. Wrestling uh, Talia Valkyrie at the 74th took something out of her. Wrestling... Uh, Maxine Paler took something out of her, and then now wrestling, wrestling genocide. I don't think she's the same woman she was, uh, you know, a year ago when she was champion. And I would venture to guess that she's starting to break down, you know, storyline wise. I wouldn't be surprised if they did a, a storyline that takes the belt off of her without actually losing it. And maybe you get, <clears throat> maybe that's why we haven't had a formal announcement yet on who she's wrestling. At the pay per view, like well, no, we know that she's wrestling at the pay per view. We don't, we don't know that. Well, they've said who she's wrestling at the pay per view. Of course, Billy can change it at any moment. Well, he said that Taya Valkyrie is the number one contender for the women's world championship, and that Taya Valkyrie Valkyrie will wrestle for the women's championship at the pay per view. But we still don't have one of those sweet little uh, graphics. Now we've got now we've got three of them. We've got one for the world title match, the triple threat. We've got one for the fixers versus the uh, spectaculars for the national, excuse me, the U.S. tag titles. And we just got one yesterday uh, for uh, or, or Tuesday for EC3 and Tom Latimer, but we still have yet to have one for Camille versus uh, Taya, which was announced the first week after the pay per view. Did we have one for the junior heavyweight title? Did you bring that one up? They didn't have a logo for that either. That's a graphic. So well, again, that's one, I, that's one that I wish they would change. <laughs> I'm just saying, tinfoil hat on. I'm just saying, I think that that could be something. Uh, perhaps that's why we haven't seen uh, a graphic made yet. Because again, Ty, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Camille has been she's been getting beaten up, and I'm not saying she's not putting out an ass whooping. But she's been getting ass whoopings too, so it's, it catches up to everybody. Well, it will be interesting. Uh, I would not mind a title change in Mexico, and uh, you know, perhaps a rematch at the pay per view. I'd be okay with that too, because so, um, that would at least make it a best out of three. Yeah, that's true. Um, but let's let's get to the you know last week we ended the show pretty early now we're going pretty late to make up for it so let's move on uh, we get the fixers in the back with May and they're going to be hosting the next episode of USA Surge uh, you know the, uh, basically Wrecking Ball Gursky invited everyone from the WWF roster in the 1988 season so uh, we'll see Greg the Hammer Valentines and Hacksaw Jim Duggins and. And some of the wrestlers who are deceased will be there, so it'll be fun. Obviously, it was just a silly promo, but, you know, with the fixers, everything's a little silly. 
Uh, do you want to add anything to that? Or can we jump to the Tyrus promo? Jump to Tyrus. So we got Tyrus with G's. Now this was this was so this was a great promo, but was ruined because we already know what's going to happen. Um, you know, because it was shot out of se- sequence or played out of sequence, we already know that Tyrus has forfeited the television title to compete at uh, the Hard Times Three. So this moment was kind of it got ruined, and it's because NWA production let it get ruined. But G's comes out holding the TV title. Uh, they're back with May. They're all three of them. They're right in front of the camera. And Jesus, May, May's like, hey, it seems like you guys aren't on the same page. And Jesus says, no, this man is going to be the next world's heavyweight champion. Does a great job of putting him over. This man will be your next world's heavyweight champion. But why? don't give up the TV title. Just go up the ranks and win it. Win the world title. You don't have to give up that TV title. And then you get Tyrus, a fired up, impassioned Tyrus. He are, he's already good on the mic when he's not fired up and impassioned. But he's sitting there talking about he gave up the high ground. He could have he could have cheated to win. He could have done. He could have hit uh, Murdoch with the bell and got the victory, but he didn't. He chose to respect his opponent, and in the end, it cost him. And uh, the last thing he says, "Don't make that mistake again." Yeah, the, the last thing he says to G's is like, "If you understand what I went through the last month, then you would know what I want. Just book the match." And it was it was such an impassioned promo. Again, I wish they would have played this promo before they announced Tyrus was going to be facing Cardona and uh, and uh, Trevor Murdoch at Hard Times Three. I thought it was a really good promo. I think they just they they killed it with the timing. Your thoughts? Uh, I'll express my thoughts in two questions. So, first question for you, Jay. Yeah. Are they trying to turn Tyrus' face? It sure feels like it. It sure feels like it. Is there a real chance that Tyrus could win the world title? I mean, is there a real chance? Yes. Is it something that I want to see happen? No. But you got to remember who the NWA is booking for. They're not booking for you, DKM. They're not booking for J-Cal. Hey, James. Both James, Dave, Lou, they're not booking this for you, right? They're booking it for Billy. This is Billy's show. And he's has a very high opinion of, of uh, Tyrus. And Tyrus is gains a lot of notoriety from being on Fox News. And, you know, no one's been able to show me the formula yet that equates to being on Fox News to sold tickets and you know, pay-per-view buys, but uh, there's got to be some sort of correlation because I feel like they keep putting uh, Tyrus in that spot. But no, I, I don't think he's going to win it, but they're, I'm not going to say it's not a possibility. Okay. What I would like to see happen, I'd like to see Tyrus turn face, not win the title, and basically retire and go and go to uh, commentary. Uh, that would be great. So that's that that he's he's been good on commentary the time they times they've used him, and I I would much prefer to see him there. Uh, 
Maybe you are Billy. Maybe you're not. We're not, <laughs> telling. We're not telling. And uh, maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe. Maybe it's Maybelline. Next up, thankfully, is the main event. And this, again, another fun match. I like fun matches. Wrestling's supposed to be fun, damn it. So I was happy that we had some fun matches. We get the OGK with Titus, who I'm going to affectionately refer to as the former Ring of Honor champions, uh, taking on La Rebellion, your NWA World Tag Team champions. And, you know, the, the former ROH champions really worked fluidly together. I don't know how many times Rhett Titus has teamed with either Matt Taven or Mike Bennett. But they they gelled so well in this match. If there was a trios title in the NWA, that'd be my pick for it. Um, they used I noticed, to wrestle against each other. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, May pointed it out. Or not May, excuse me. Um, Velvet Sky pointed it out that La Rebellion has mostly been working heel ever since Damien's been added to the picture, which is true. Like I don't feel like they were working heel prior to. Damien showing up so that I mean a good they were good from Velvet Sky once again um, <clears throat> and she even points out that he is Damien 666 so figures um, it starts off with uh, Mecha Wolf taking a lot of punishment from the ROH trio and then <clears throat> as the uh, the quick tags from uh, OGK and Titus is, it, it's you know they're obviously putting their hurt on Mecha Wolf. Mecha Wolf does make a quick tag to Basia. They get in control of the match. Titus, uh, now Titus ends up getting a lot of the punishment. Uh, they're using Damien Say 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 very selectively, coming in for just a spot here, spot there, which is perfect. You, he, he's an older guy. You're going to expose him if you leave him in the ring like Ricky, Ricky Morton or something. Um, so just give him his limited spots. Um, Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought here real quick. Uh, <clears throat> but anyways, there's uh, quick spots with with both sides of the tag team. It kind of stems out of control. We've got people falling out of the ring. It just gets wild. Uh, I, I, I enjoy it when it gets kind of out of hand, especially when you've got guys who can actually fly out of the ring. Bastia, Mecha Wolf, Taven, Bennett, all of them are capable of flying out of the ring. At one point, you see that uh, Damien, who is the legal man, is getting ready to spray mist. And you don't really get it right at the moment, but Rhett Titus grabs him by the face and forces him to spill the, the poison mist out. And one of the more creative things I've ever seen in a wrestling match. And then and then puts him in an arm bar and makes him tap out. I was like, hell yeah, that's the way to win the match. And that I loved it. So it, like to me, that was I thought it was great. Uh it was a fun match. Obviously, they're building towards um, uh, the OGK versus La Rebellion in the World Tag Team title match. That's, I mean, that's where it's got to go. Uh, what did you think of this one, DK? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, just, you know, I like Taven Bennett and uh, really like uh, uh, Titus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Law Rebellion is good. As you put it, they use Beastia kind of the way he should Damien. use. Damien. Oh, excuse me, Damien, yes. 
he's Damien the way he should be used, which is not much at all. And that's right. You know, that's the correct way to do it. Please don't do a match between him and Ricky Morton. <laughs> well, Ric Flair's going to manage that or referee that one. He might. That that's that that's true. They can all have hard attacks together. And so, yeah, I mean, it was fun. Fun, like you said. Damn it, it should be fun. I enjoyed it. The right team won. The right person took the loss. You know, let's get that tag title match going. Yeah. Um, And then, real quick, because I didn't get to his joke earlier in the show, I do want to do Jeremy's joke, which is, fun fact, Tyrus has the world's largest collection of Mardi Gras necklaces and takes great pride in the fact that he earned every single one of them. (laughs) And then I'm looking for Willie's joke. I saw it here earlier. And if I don't see it, I'll, oh, there it is. If tires can't get the 10 pounds of gold, then tires can be a new ride at Knott's Berry Farm. Either way. I mean, it's a win-win for the fans. It is. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, so- obviously this was a better episode of Power, which, again, you know, low bar. Uh, I would say the best was the main event, which you would want. And uh, they did progress and tell stories, which you want. So, I mean, I would give this show a solid C plus. So, yeah, I, I, this was probably the the best um, the best advancement of story I've seen in a while. And had they been in the sequence correctly, I felt like this would have been a better show because that Tyrus promo I felt was really good, and uh, I think it would have been more impactful but telling the stories um yeah just phenomenal yeah if they hadn't if they hadn't kicked genocide out of the kind of world title contender thing by the way they did did that and if they hadn't if the ec3 story was different then you know would have been a higher thing ec3 drug it down the most for me honestly just not it not liking that yeah i i have a little bit different of a of an opinion and uh we didn't really get into it but i kind of like i don't hate the control your narrative group and i feel like that's a good way to get some cheap heat for ec3 and if they keep putting him in these matches where like look tom latimer is a guy who we keep saying is underutilized on the roster a victory over ec3 i think helped propels him into the title picture a victory for ec3 over tom latimer puts him in the title picture and if we're talking about the nwa as a whole and that world title picture right now i mean right now we're going to get cardona and tyrus challenging trevor murdoch in the background we still have tim storm who has a a a buy-in a challenge a a golden opportunity, whatever you want to call it. He's got a world title match. He can cash in at any time. And then we look at Nick Aldis, who he's not going away. At some point, he's going to be in the title picture again. And I I start looking at the roster of, 
two former world champions or three former world champions chasing the gold, your longest reigning TV champion chasing the gold, the world's heavyweight champion is a two-time champion who beat Nick Aldis to win the title and uh, won the elimination match to hold on to it. Or he also beat Nick Aldis to win right. the title. <laughs> right. And then you've got guys like EC3 and Tom Latimer who are on the fringe. It's probably the best the best challenges they've had for the world title in a long time. Remember when, when, when power started being nostalgic talking about three years ago, it was Tim storm. And to a lesser extent, it was James storm and, and, and maybe Colt Cabana, but not really. You had, you had Eli Drake, but was nowhere near the title picture. And should have been a hundred percent. That should have been the main event for hard times. It should have been, uh, Eli Drake versus Nick Aldis for the ten pounds of gold, not not Flip Gordon, but as it is, we used to talk about. Well, you know, the NWA doesn't have even ten challenges for the world title, let alone ten challengers for the for the national title. We're starting to see more competent competition, you know. And I didn't even mention Jack Stain or Mayweather or or Clearwater or you know any one of those guys. Uh, Scion, and we talked, and I just gave you like five really adequate challenges for the ten pounds of gold. So I feel like again, moving in the right direction, and EC3 being a part of that, I'm I'm totally good with that. All right, so here's a question for you then. Yes, sir. If you could, let's grant the former champions and Tyrus as being top contenders. Okay. And you're saying we got Latimer on the fringe, maybe. Yeah. EC3 on the fringe, maybe. Yeah. One of them, based on the outcome of their storyline, could very easily be compelled, uh, uh, slingshotted into the world title picture. Yeah. Who, besides the Pope, would you like to see? in the world title picture that currently isn't. Well, for me, it's easy. It's a slam dunk. It's Jack Stane. Okay. That's who I would like. I right now would have been much happier if hard times through is Jack Stane versus Trevor Murdoch through some sort of Chris Silvio contract negotiation mix up. And somehow he was able to get a title shot because I think Jack Stane is a, again, we talk about, underutilized guys on the roster. Jack Stane to me is so money in his whole national title reign. I felt really elevated him and they didn't do a whole lot with him, but the promos are there. The entourage is there. The, the mink coat. Like, uh, yeah. Give me more of that. And, and Jack Stane as you know, the big muscular guy, he's a former world's heavyweight champion. Yes. I would love to see him and, and Trevor Murdoch go one-on-one. Yeah, and that's actually who I was thinking too. Because if Styles make fight, I actually think that Murdoch and Dane would have a good combination. Or neither one of them can give you a lot of technical wrestling. No, neither and one. Of them, you're, you're not going to see a lot of arm drags and arm bars and stuff. Uh, but I think that. 
their styles would match up enough of, again, the two big hosses, you know, you know, wanting to slap the crap out of each other. And I think the two of them could do a Gunther, uh, Seamus or Dragunov type match, you know, where they're slapping each other silly and showing red marks and everything. And, uh, so I, that's something I'd really like to see. I'd really like to see them do something that would get, get those two in the ring together and preferably for more than one time, you know, set up something that, you know, they could have a couple to three matches together. Agreed. Uh, all right. That's all my thoughts for this week. We need to get, we need to get out of here. I know. Yeah. Um, hey guys, thanks again for being a part of our Thursday, our, uh, our fan club, our fan club, our, uh, NWA hashtag fam. Uh, you know, we, we do this, uh, we do this for fun. You know, we do this to talk to you guys and it's so much, so much more fun for me when you guys jump in, you know, Chris dog was here. We saw the return of Sean mega Dave Scooby's in the house. Jeremy was in the house, James ball, Luthez. James Jackson and Dodie was here. Willie was here, you know, and then anyone else I'm missing, please no disrespect. It's just, uh, there's a lot of you. Um, but I, I respect the hell out of you for, for joining us on these podcasts. It makes it so much more fun again to interact with you guys and have this discussion. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, on Tuesday for the pre-party Wednesday for the other Alliance guys. And of course, uh, DK and myself, and hopefully Jane will be back next week. Um, oh, hey, real quick, Wrestling with MMA points out that uh, Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators posted up their main event, uh, which is on YouTube, the main event match from Pause for the Cause. You guys check that out. A lot of good things happening uh, at Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators. Go subscribe to their YouTube page. Uh, a lot of great content that's always coming up. But like I said, we'll be back. If you then. like the old school, if you like the old school like I do, they're really the top producers of it right now. And it's free, which is less than cash. So, anyways, uh, I was trying to do one of those uh, Yogi Bears, and I just couldn't come up with anything. Anyways, guys, uh, we're going to end it here. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next week. Until then, we'll see you at the matches. Thanks for joining the stream. This has been a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you'll never miss a future episode? I'd also like to remind you we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. before NWA Power. You can find us on social media at The Alliance Blog. And until next time, we are The Alliance.